People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Hello and good day, Brothers Talk family, and welcome wherever you're listening around the world and holding your critical thinking conversations to promote activism and uplift our people. And first-time listeners, we're glad that you're here to help us with the work of encouraging and educating as we also endorse and inspire new and existing Black businesses to empower and enrich the Black community. In the new COVID reality, we're still seeing 190 people dying each day from coronavirus and its complications. So we're still urging everyone to keep that in mind and be careful when you're out and about. Remember, you can still get your vaccinations or your boosters. And if you're traveling, don't forget that wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of all respiratory infections, including flu and RSV2. And if staying in hotel rooms or other rental dwellings, don't forget to use plenty of disinfectants because you don't want your trip to end up in the hospital and you definitely don't want to be the one that transmits any of this to your medically fragile family and friends. Come on, people. We still know that we have to do this because we have to do better. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Noah. You know, my thanks, Rod. My my um my question, I have a question. We do this every week, and my question is, is it me I'm living in an alternative universe? I mean, is the pandemic over? Because the universe that I'm current I'm currently living in. Everywhere I went this weekend, I'm seeing less and less people wearing masks. Uh, you know, people are trying to approach you. I, I'm still telling people to keep their distance uh, because we don't know where this thing is heading. We don't know where it's going. We don't. We don't. We really don't know. And all I can say is, you know, can you continue to uh, look out for your loved ones, yourself, wear your mask, get your shots, get your booster. Do all those things to protect yourself, your loved ones, and the public. Noah? Scott, that's an excellent question because today in church, I noticed that most of the people weren't wearing masks. And we were really under a policy of social distancing and mask wearing up until today. And our church is full of elderly people, you know, from our community. So I have the same question. Where are we with this thing? Well, we've been a little heavy over the past few weeks, and rightly so, but on this episode, we're going to change up our format a bit and go with what we'll call The Brothers Be Thinking, where we'll be tossing around a bunch of different topics and sharing our thoughts. First one up for me, I call NBA So White, because last night, as of this recording, the Sacramento Kings beat the Golden State Warriors in the first game of their playoff series. And De'Aaron Fox had 40 points, but Sabonis, with 12 points, got the poster for the game. And then the next day, I watched the Lakers and the Grizzlies play, and Rudy Hachimura had 29 points, but mediocre Austin Reeves 
had 23 points in mop-up time at the end, and he got the interview as the player of the game. And so is the NBA so desperate to find any kind of whiteness that they'll just do the obvious and say, well, you know, we're just going to pick a white guy no matter what their stat line looks like? What are your thoughts? You know, uh, it just appears to me that that you're right, you know, because I take a look at some of the mediocre play of some of the uh, some of the white male players in the NBA and uh, even some of the Euro players. Um, they're just average players. But yet, if they do anything, if they contribute anything positive to the game, the announcers, it seems like they got they have marching orders that you got to highlight these guys, you know, other than uh, a LeBron or, or Steph or Giannis, who they typically they're typically going because they're big time stars. But some of these other guys, uh, it just it just appears to me that the NBA wants to highlight non-black players as much as they possibly can. And that looked like what happened here in this situation. It's like, we got an opportunity, we can justify it, and we're going to put this white boy out front because uh, that's what we've been told to do. You know, we're going to make him look like the hero. And, and seem like to me, that's what they try to do every single game. Well, that's just the society that we live in. And Rod, I'm reminded of the Super Bowl with Jerry Weiss won the MVP. And traditionally, the MVP of the Super Bowl gets the Disney World commercial and gets all the accolades. But Jerry didn't get it. They gave it to the white quarterback. That's just the world we live in. Yeah, seems like there's too much of that whole process going on, especially when you have this influx, as you said, Scott, with all these players coming in from Europe and other places, and they just starve to try to put a white face out there when at the end of the day, I saw the list of the top selling jerseys in the NBA and you only had two white guys out of the top 20. And that was Doncic down at like number seven and Jokic, you didn't get to him to like number 17, but I guess that's what's disturbing them. They want to try to see what they can do to try to get some more white t-shirt sales and white jersey sales. Scott, what you got? You know, my, 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 my thing is what's happening uh, with Clarence Thomas in the news. You know, for 20 years, he's been courted by this billionaire, 20-plus years, but he's saying, oh, he's a dear family friend, you know, and that, you know, he's been taking these trips. He and his wife taking money, trips. The guy funded his wife, gave him $500,000 gave him $500, to start, start a political pact. Bought Clarence Thomas's mother's house that Clarence Thomas and his mother and brother were co-owners. Mother still lives there. Uh, it just it, uh, just it seemed like there's some immoral and unethical stuff happening here that's off the charts. My one of my big concern is that something like this is happening, and it should be one of the top stories in the media all day, every day, saying, wait a minute, we got a guy here who's unethical, immoral, a liar with his wife, who was part of the January 6th, this whole debacle for January 6th insurrection. But yet you got Gorsuch, you have Kavanaugh, you have Amy Barrett, 
I think also Alito. You had all of these people under oath said that they were not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. They lied under oath. They did it. And it's just like, oh, 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 well, okay. So how is it that we can have so much trust and respect for the Supreme Court justices when they do things like this and get away with it, not even getting a slap on the wrist? And for Clarence Thomas, I mean, Jesus, what does he have to do? They keep saying that, it. oh, he's just a friend. They're friends and family friends. And this guy did all of this stuff because they were friends. Okay, well, friendship goes both ways. What did Clarence Thomas do for him? What did he get? Because Clarence got all of these luxury trips and luxury gifts, expensive gifts. What did he give? Yes, Scott, I want to actually expand on one, one point you made. Not only did he buy his mother's, his, um, Clarence Thomas's mother's home, he also bought two lots that the family owned in that neighborhood. And Clarence reported zero income. And he hasn't really explained that. And as you mentioned, the hundreds and thousands of dollars and gifts that he received from this gentleman. And uh, like you also said, what has Clarence done for him? Since you are friends and things are usually mutual, mutual in some way. But, you know, uh, because he holds the right political view, he will not be punished. He will not be questioned on it. He really hasn't been questioned on it, nor has his wife regarding her political affiliations and businesses. But that's where we are in this country. If you're involved in government and you have money, you will not in any way, shape, or form be held accountable for your actions. That's only for the working people of this country. Enough said. I'm not wasting any breath on that topic because we all know that because Clarence Thomas is bought and paid for by the political power structure, just like you said, Norm, nothing's going to happen. And so there's no need for me to be wasting any thought capital on that. What you got, Norm? Well, I wanted to discuss Tim Scott's presidential campaign. After we've seen the backing that Herschel Walker got for a Senate bid with his background, I'm waiting to hear and see what kind of political capital is going to be put into Tim Scott's campaign. Since we all know the Republican Party is trying to uh, attract the African-American electorate, who's going to back Tim Scott? Well, I think we know the answer, though, is that they're going to see the same thing that they saw before. They're going to peel off that 10 percent of black males who want to call themselves quote unquote, independent thinkers who are really just bought and paid for handkerchief heads. And yet all the polls are going to show them that he's not going to have any kind of widespread support. So it's really not going anywhere. He's just a show pony, just like Nikki Haley, that in essence, it's going to boil down to if 45 is not in jail and not heavily under the prosecutorial process where he can't effectively run, then it's going to drill down to the Florida governor and the Texas governor because they are white and the Republicans can talk all the other nonsense they want to. You know, they didn't support any of the other, quote unquote, black candidates that they tried it out there. So I don't see Tim Scott being anything than the latest show pony. Uh, that's all, Tim. Tim, it seems to me, Tim, Tim knows that he has no chance in hell in getting the nomination. 
when you look at the polls I saw, they showed like uh, three different polls where Tim is running dead last by a lot in his own state, South Carolina. Uh, he's like in fourth place of people who have said today. And I think H. Hutchinson just said that he's going to run and he's ahead of Tim. And Tim is from South Carolina. It just looks like to me, Tim looked at this and said, you know what? These guys are making a lot of money and they and uh uh and they're using that money, those packs for their personal use, travel, whatever. And uh that's I think that's what Tim is gonna do. Cause that's what the rest of these clowns are doing right now, uh, especially on the Republican side. You got people just running just to be to raise money, uh, live a certain lifestyle. I, I, I truly, I don't believe that Tim actually think that he has has a chance to win the nomination. I think the one thing that, as I'm listening to both you and Norm, and I start to see the possibility that both he and Nikki Haley might be jockeying for the vice president spot, thinking mm-hmm. that somehow if Kamala Harris got in there, that maybe that might help them to try to create some kind of uh, of diversity push, even though, like I said, it's not going to work because we all see through it. And we've been talking about what it means to be woke, and we'll see right through that kind of nonsense right there. So the next thing that I'm sort of taking a look at is this whole situation with Lamar Jackson in the NFL, and we're watching just straight-up collusion by the NFL owners because they actually had the nerve this week to say through their sources that they don't rank him any higher than a top 12 quarterback. And I said, okay, so when was the last time a top 12 quarterback won an MVP? And we all know what's going on because they don't want to allow the second black quarterback to get out there and break the bank as they felt like, uh, oh, they're so mad at the Cleveland owner for what he did with Deshaun Watson, and they feel like this will set a precedent. Now, I'm sure that if Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or or Joe Burrow were up, they wouldn't have any problem doing it. But because it's Lamar Jackson, they got every excuse from, well, he needs an agent. Like, well, why does he need an agent to... As the as the guy said, well, they'll say certain things to an agent they won't say to Lamar. Well, if that agent isn't willing to come back and say that to Lamar's face, whatever the the owners are saying, then he ain't worth this salt anyway. So, what's the point of Lamar actually having to get an agent to get two percent of whatever contract he gets for what the age what the owners are unwilling to pay him? It to me, it's just another. Another example of just blatant naked racism in the NFL. You know, it, it is conclude it is collusion and it is racism. Uh when you take a look at what Kirk Cousin got, uh here's a guy who I think won one playoff game, if he won that many, but by the time when he got that $90 million three year guaranteed contract. Uh when you take a look at that and look take a look at, you know, Daniel Jones getting forty-four million dollars. Uh, uh, something like I forgot how much it, he got guaranteed signing bonus. Uh, but if you watch football and anybody can sit here and say that Dun- Daniel Jones deserves to get 
$44 million a year to play quarterback, uh, you're lying. You, you know, you, you're just intellectually uh, being dishonest. And what they're doing to Lamar, the, the thing that's more disappointing to me is I don't hear the support coming from other players. I don't hear the support coming from people who can benefit the most to saying that, hey, now Lamar is out there on his own, but you got something, these contracts that they're signing in, in, in the NFL, uh, something's wrong here when we sign a contract and then all of a sudden something happens to you for whatever reason, you get hurt or your place drops or drops off and they decide, okay, we're going to cut you. So it's okay for the owners to be able to dictate like slave owners, yeah, rich slaves on it. Yeah, they got rich people and they treat like slaves because that's what they're doing. You're buying and selling people. But the fact that the NFL, uh, what 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 kind of hocus, po- hocus pocus magic that is, the contracts, I thought contracts were binding. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs or, of NFL contracts, but the fact that, Lamar Jackson isn't getting the kind of support that he should get from the other NFL players so that they can all get at least the the, the top the superstars should just automatically get uh, a guaranteed contract. And Scott, I agree with you 100%. But just like the Kaepernick protest, the players are just slaves that are just been brainwashed to follow management and will not stand up for other players or even themselves. That has been demonstrated time and time again. And you, one would think and believe that players would basically back him in regards to move towards the guaranteed contracts because literally right now only a portion of your contract is guaranteed money. So as you said, they can cut you any time and take a cap hit and, and send you home. You're finished. And even if you're injured, you may get a small medical settlement. But you've got to live literally 40, 50 years on the scraps that they've given you in regards to your health. You know, and, and that's why the CTE, the, the uh, protest was so great that the, the trial that they had, or actually the settlement they came to regarding that was so big because these players were damaged for the rest of their lives, and the, and the players really didn't even want to stand up for that. They settled for that. And to me, that's the real issue here. The players, man, they're just weak. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that whole CTE thing, Norm, because you know one of the things they found out that even in the settlement that there's racism because they tried to say that the black players who they measured for their uh, mental faculty, that they were deficient to begin with. So they've been denying the black players at a higher rate, saying that they they started off with something that approached CTE. Therefore, their con- tests weren't as conclusive. So they could have the same test results as a white player, but the white player would get it, but the black player wouldn't because they were looking at the black player as being disadvantaged from the start. So... So that's it for our first edition of the Brothers Be Thinking. And let us know what you think about this change in the format. We'll, we like it. I think we'll do it more regularly, but we'll certainly stick to our other format whenever there's something that we feel like really needs our attention and really needs to be brought up for our community in general.
In our Black Business Spotlight, based in Atlanta, Jalen Ubo is only 23 years old, but he's already the youngest entrepreneur to own a fleet of four semi-tractor trailers. He has already successfully built a multi-million dollar company called All American Freight, which is the freight trucking and logistics division of his parent company, Jalen Ubo Enterprises. Jalen was already a successful entrepreneur in the healthcare, real estate, and construction industries. And as a federal contractor, he also saw an opportunity to work with the U.S. Department of Defense as a provider of transportation and logistics services. With his existing resources, he was able to acquire his trucks debt-free, and he currently uses the trucks to transport Army tanks, Army vehicles, ammunition, and food supplies. Jalen and his highly trained team drew from their experience as successful fleet owner-operators to design an online two-day workshop to teach others how they can have the same type of success in the trucking business. It also includes two weeks of mentorship and exit counseling. The course is called How to Start a Freight Trucking and Logistics Company Debt-Free, and students can expect to learn various skills, including incorporating a business, how to get licensing and DOT certifications, and how to determine the best places to start your business. For more details about Jalen's trucking and freight company and his other enterprises, visit jsuglobal.com. That's a wrap for this show. And remember, you can share your thoughts with us and follow and communicate with us by sending your comments as well as your questions and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And as always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Until our next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time and interest and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And finally, let's all do better today because that's all we really have.